section six of the rover volume one number two this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the rover volume one number two edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section six harriet bruce by mrs child to be loved is all i need and whom i love i love indeed coleridge my friend harriet bruce was a healthy tall bold-looking girl somewhat too large and vigorous for genuine beauty yet gifted with a speaking expression and a rich perpetual colouring that would have made any other face stylish and attractive she was no favourite with the gentlemen but there was an indescribable something about her appearance and manners which always compelled them to inquire who she was no person ever talked with her without remembering what she said and every one criticised what they could not forget yet it was not intellect that made her unpopular had she chosen to affect reckless misanthropy maudlin sensibility or any other foppery whereby to distinguish herself she would have found plenty of admirers and imitators but in her mind genius was checked by manly philosophy and she could ill conceal her contempt of those who knew talent only by its most common diseases the consciousness of mental power that lighted up her eye with such a burning spark of pride and the expression of scorn forever dancing on her lip corners ready to embody itself in sarcasm was unquestionably the true reason why this splendid creature became the pariah of the ballroom she was a strange sort of die vernon no she was not a die vernon either and as i now remember her i cannot think of a single character living or imaginary whom she did resemble she fascinated her enemies but never pleased her friends power power and above all intellectual power was the constant dream of her wild ambition to have been sure of madame de stal's reputation she would have renounced human sympathy and lived unloving and unbeloved in this wide world of social happiness there was such magnificence in the idea of sending one's genius abroad like a spark of electricity to be active and eternal defying education in its form duration and power sometimes i talked of love and reminded her how madame de stal herself had become its reluctant victim on this subject she often philosophized and always laughed who said she scornfully who that has felt the gush and the thrill attendant upon fame would be foolish enough to exchange dominion over many for the despotism of one thus harriet bruce reasoned and thus she actually thought but i knew her better 
than she knew herself her affections were as rich and overflowing as her mental energies and her craving for human sympathy was in direct proportion to that intense love of beauty which in her amounted to an intellectual passion that she would love exclusively and extravagantly i had no doubt and my penetration soon singled out an object at a large party i first saw her with george macdonough the son of a rich southerner first in his class and in the full flush of manly beauty i knew by the carriage of his neck that he was a virginian and the hauteur with which he received adulation attracted my attention as the pawing of a high-mettled horse would have done his conversation with harriet seemed at first to be of a sober and learned cast but on her part it soon became petulant now and then i heard some remark which seemed to relate to a transmigration of souls and a continual rise in intellectual existence oh exclaimed harriet how that idea savors of new england housekeeping how can a virginian patronize a theory so economical at that moment a very lovely girl entered the room and the young man did not answer miss bruce's question ah there is the beautiful baltimorean said he she whom i told you reminded me of that fine engraving of yours la belle suisse she is beautiful said harriet with unaffected warmth her full dark eyes are magnificent what a pity it is they are not lighted from within that expression alone is wanting to fill the measure of her glory the remark was made to an inattentive listener for macdonough's whole interest was absorbed by the newcomer a slight shade passed over harriet's face but it was too transient to define the emotion in which it originated and she smiled as she said you had best go and talk with your powerful beauty the body should be where the spirit is that reproach is too severe replied the virginian i meant no reproach she answered i have observed that beauty is your idol and i wish you to worship it i did not think miss bruce had observed my character sufficiently to form any conclusion with regard to my taste the pride of the proudest girl in christendom was roused and there was something indescribably provoking in her manner as she answered i assure you i think you quite a specimen in your way society is such a bag of polished marbles that anything odd is as valuable a study as the specimens of quartz mr symes may bring us your modesty has led you into a mistake i have really taken the trouble to observe you truly miss bruce you are the most singular girl i ever met said the offended southerner you never did said or thought anything like another person when a compliment is doubtful chesterfield says one should always take it therefore i am obliged to you mr mcdonough replied harriet and so saying she turned abruptly from him and directed her attention to me during the remainder of the evening i saw no indications of a reconciliation harriet danced but once mcdonough la belle suisse were near her in the set and they met frequently the extreme nonchalance with which she now and then exchanged some casual remark 
led me to suspect that he had obtained more power over her extraordinary mind than any other individual had ever possessed but harriet was no trifler and i do not venture to prophesy time passed on and with it nearly passed the remembrance of this skirmish of words and the thoughts thereby suggested my unmanageable friend seldom alluded to the fascinating acquaintance she had formed and when she did it was done naturally and briefly soon after this i was obliged to be absent for several months i did not return until two days before commencement at college and harriet's first exclamation was you must go to mr macdonough's room he is to have the first part and his friends expect everything from him but i thought you considered commencement days very stupid things said i so i do you know i always said life itself was a very stupid thing there is no originality above ground everything that is true is dull and everything new is false and superficial but there is no use in quarrelling with the world it is a pretty good world after all you must go to hear mr macdonough's opinion of it i am sure he will express it eloquently then you are on good terms now said i she blushed painfully excessively but soon recovered self-command enough to say i always thought highly of him i do not know whether my looks expressed the warning voice my heart was yearning to utter but i am sure the tone of my assent was reluctant and melancholy george macdonough appeared most brilliantly on that memorable day graceful and dignified handsome and talented he sent a thrill to all hearts alive to the grandeur of thought or the beauty of language during this scene of triumph i watched the countenance of harriet bruce with the keenest interest and never before did i see a human face through which the soul beamed with such intensity genius and pride and joy and love were there i then thought she was intellectually beautiful beyond anything i had ever seen poor harriet it was the brightest spot in her life and i loved to remember it macdonough's room was crowded and the compliments he received were intoxicating but in the midst of it all i imagined i could see the sparkle of his eyes melt into softness when he met a glance from harriet her looks betrayed nothing to my anxious observation for once i took notice she called him george and suddenly corrected herself with an air of extraordinary confusion had my friend indulged in habits of girlish trifling i should no doubt have playfully alluded to this circumstance but there was something in her character and manners which forbade such officiousness i watched her with the anxiety of sincere friendship i knew when she once selected an object of pursuit her whole soul was concentrated and i could not believe that the proud virginian with all his high hopes and his love of dazzling beauty would ever marry her i knew he was a very constant visitor and i frequently observed lights later than had been usual at mr bruce's quiet habitation and when he called to bid me farewell a few weeks after commencement the deep gloom on his countenance led me to think that the pride and apparent indifference of my intellectual friend might have surprised him into love weeks and months passed on and i seldom heard an allusion to the absent macdonough harriet's character and manner seemed changing for the better the perpetual effervescence of her spirit in some 
measure subsided and the vagaries of her fancy became less various and startling yet there was ever a chastened cheerfulness of manner and an unfailing flow of thought by degrees her seriousness deepened and at last she could not conceal from me that she was unhappy i attributed it to the illness of her aged father for harry was motherless and she cherished her only parent with a double share of love but when the old man was evidently recovering and her melancholy still increased i knew there must be another and a deeper cause one day as i stood by her watching her progress in a crayon drawing around which she had thrown much of her early spirit and freedom i placed my hand affectionately on her shoulder and touching her forehead with my lips said you have always told me your thoughts harriet why not tell me what troubles you now she continued her task with a quick and nervous movement and i saw that her eyes were filled with tears i gently whispered is george macdonough the cause she gave one shriek which sounded as if it made a rent in her very soul and then the torrent of her tears poured forth it was long before i ventured to say to her then it is as i feared you do love george macdonough she looked in my face with a strange and fixed expression as she replied i ought to love and honour and obey him for he is my husband i started your husband how when where were you married at providence do you remember when i asked you to go with me to mr macdonough's room and you said so then you are on good terms now i have been three weeks a wife and your father does he know of it certainly she said you know i would not deceive him then why was so much secrecy necessary i now think it was not really necessary at all events that which needs to be concealed is wrong but george's parents wished him to marry wealth and he feared to displease them he has a moderate fortune of his own of which he will soon come in possession when he told my father this circumstance and that he feared he should be urged to marry against his inclination my father in the blindness of his dotage consented to our immediate union and why are you so unhappy i inquired you have no doubt that your husband will come and claim you oh no the certificate is in my father's hands and if it were not a sense of honour would leave him here but oh to have him come coldly and reluctantly my heart will break my heart will break said she pressing her hand hard against her forehead and weeping bitterly how could i forget that they who listen to passion rather than to reason must always have a precarious influence on each other i tried to console her she said nothing but took a package of letters from her desk and handed them to me their contents proved the mournful prediction of her fears too true at first george macdonough wrote with impatient ardour then his letters were filled with amusing accounts of the parties given to la belle suisse whose father had come to reside in their neighbourhood then he filled his pages with excellent reasons for not visiting her as soon as he intended and finally when harriet bowed down her pride and entreated him if he valued her reputation to come soon he sent a cold laconic answer merely stating the time at which he might be expected poor harriet it was too evident she had thrown away all that made existence joyful however i tried to soothe her by the idea that gentleness patience and untiring love might regain the affection on which her happiness must now depend 
she loved to listen to such words they were a balm to her heart mr macdonough came at the time he had appointed and publicly announced his marriage i did not see their meeting but during the few months he remained at her father's i observed his manner was uniformly kind though frequently absent and constrained an infant daughter formed a new bond of union and seemed to be the herald of happier days the young man watched over the little object with the most intense delight and harriet's half-subdued character seemed entirely softened in the doting fondness of a mother and the meek resignation of a wife loved but not enough beloved none would have recognized the proud ambitious and sarcastic harriet bruce i must not dwell minutely on particulars which i observed closely at the time and which afterwards sunk deeply into my memory young macdonough departed once more to take possession of his estate and prepare it for the reception of his wife and child his farewell was affectionate and his frequent letters seemed to restore my imprudent friend to something of her former buoyancy of soul the idea of separation from her father was now her principal source of unhappiness but that trial was spared her the imbecility of the affectionate old man daily increased and a few days before his daughter's departure death relieved him from the expected loneliness the young husband came as he had promised but his manner was colder and his looks more stern than formerly though none could say he failed in the fulfilment of his duty harriet never spoke of any change her manner toward him was obedient and affectionate but never fond her romantic visions of human perfection her proud confidence in her own strength were gone and no doubt she wept bitterly over their mutual rashness knowing as she did that she was a burden taken up merely from a sense of honour it is not wonderful her very smile had a look of humility and resignation their regrets were however kept carefully concealed whatever might have been their feelings both seemed resolved on a system of silent endurance there was something in this course a thousand times more affecting than the most pathetic complaints i shall never forget the anguish i felt when i saw harriet bid farewell to the home of her childhood that home where she had ever been an idol and an oracle the lingering preparation of departure the heartbroken expression the reluctant step the drooping head and the desperate resolution with which she at last seized the arm of a husband who loved her not and who was about to convey her among strangers they are all present to me now harriet's letters soon spoke of declining health and before three years had elapsed she implored me to come to her if i ever wished to look upon her again in this world of shadows i immediately obeyed the summons things were worse than i then had expected she was evidently very weak and though she had everything which wealth could supply or politeness dictate the balm of kindness never refreshed her weary and sinking spirit mr macdonough never spoke harshly indeed he seldom spoke at all but the attentions he paid were so obviously from a sense of duty that they fell like ice-drops on the heart of his suffering wife i heard no reproaches on either side but a day seldom passed without some occurrence more or less painful to my friend once when little louisa jumped into her father's arms as he entered and eagerly exclaimed do you love me papa he kissed her with much fondness and replied yes i do my child 
and mamma too inquired the little creature with a sort of half entreating tone so graceful in childhood he put her away from him answered coldly certainly my daughter i saw a slight convulsion in harriet's face and in the motion of her hands but it soon passed at another time when we were searching in his private library for the latest number of the edinburgh we discovered on a small open desk the engraving of la belle suisse and near it a newspaper giving an account of the marriage of that young baltimorean whom george had thought so strongly resembled the picture the surprise was so sudden that harriet lost the balance of feelings she had hitherto so well preserved she rushed out of the room and it was several hours before i was admitted to her bedside fortunately for my sensitive friend this mental struggle was too fierce to be of long continuance the closing scene of her life drew near and to her it seemed welcome as sleep to the weary sometimes the movements of reluctant nature were visible in the intense look of love she cast upon her child and the convulsive energy with which she would clasp the little one to her bosom but otherwise was all stillness and hope one day when she had been unusually ill and we all supposed she was about to die she pressed my hand feebly and whispered will you ask george to see me once more i immediately repaired to the library and told mr macdonough the dying request of his wife at first he made a motion toward the door then suddenly checking himself he said in a determined tone i'd better not it would be painful to both i will wait the event here i returned to harriet but i had not courage to say her request was refused she listened eagerly to every sound for a while then looking in my face mournfully she said he will not come my tears answered her she looked up for a moment with an expression of extreme agony but never spoke again End of section six.